G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan that hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and good hunting. Before I before I go too far, uh, I want to I want to test your knowledge on something. Yeah. What's Purdy? Purdy's a expensive brand of British rifle. God damn it. I had to ask. I, I I just figured that Mark went to a fancy university overseas somewhere, and he had his degree on the wall. Uh, well, I actually did. I actually did the. Um, was that the presentation where he talked about it and how they looked down their noses at him when he went in and wanted to look at the rifle? So. <laughs> uh, okay. So so that wasn't the best setup in the world. Um, but anyway, that's all right. So. Um, Latest episode of the Humpers Camp, Hunters Campfire, and uh, thanks for coming on, Reese. It's uh, great to have you on. We um, we've been talking about bringing you into this for a little while because, uh, in the flavour of uh, Queenslanders wanting to get out and hunt, and the challenges that we have, um, you're, you've you've certainly put a lot of effort into trying to get us all out and about in Queensland. And we'll talk a bit about why that is for those that don't know who you are in a second. Um, but just by way of introductions, mate, it'd be great just to hear a little bit about your uh, your, your hunting life, your hunting passion, um, and uh, what's got you so devoted to trying to help Queenslanders. If you want to give us a, a quick synopsis, that'd be awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks, Ian, and thanks, Mark, for having me. Um, yeah, I guess it, it all. Uh, I've always been interested in in shooting. Um, in New Zealand, I was born in New Zealand as well, and grew up there till I was fourteen, and um, you know, we um, always shot in the, the air rifles in the backyard when you're still allowed to do that back in the back in the day when I was a kid. Um, with my grandfather, he was a fairly big influence on me. Never got to do any hunting over there, but um, I was always interested in it. Um, I was in the army for the, it was called the Ready Reserve Scheme. We were there for a year full time and four years part time back in the early 90s. So got to use all of the military uh, firearms and heavy weapons and the like and quite enjoyed that. But um, after I left the military, probably um, didn't, uh, you know, had other things going on with work and the like and didn't really pursue that as an interest. Uh, but it would have been probably around about 2008 um, in, I was in Canberra working, um, working with the federal government and they, um, and I had, I was working with the state emergency service. I wasn't working with them. I was, I was volunteering with them. We had a captain, a, a unit captain there who were a unit commander who was a deer hunter. So I used to talk to him about, about hunting. Um, and I also had a mate on Facebook who was a, who was a dead keen pig hunter. And I used to see that on Facebook and I thought, thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I, I was sort of interested. I, I always remember what it actually got me into four wheel driving. Um, I was watching the old BCF ads um, where Josh was sitting in front of his computer and, and um, you know, 
playing computer games, and they said that's not that's not living, Josh. <laughs> and um, and I was I was pretty much at the same. I think I broke up with my girlfriend. I was spending a lot of time playing in front of my computer, and I thought I'm going to get out, going to get outdoors. So I'm going to move back to Queensland. Um, yeah, I tried skiing and I fell over and hurt myself and didn't want to do that anymore. So I decided to um, go back to Queensland and get a four wheel drive and you know do Fraser and all of those sorts of places. So that's what got me into it. Um, came back and. Um, got my four-wheel drive and I was off to um, you know, Fraser Island and Bribey Island and all those good places that we've got here. Um, and um, they just, you know, they, I thought I want something else. I want to do something else. I want to try this hunting out that um, that I'd seen for my friends on um, on Facebook and um, got into it and applied for the firearms licence. It was about 2011 and it took forever to get the firearms licence. Um, I eventually did and I decided I wanted, I knew, knew nothing about hunting and I decided I wanted to get a, a shotgun because I figured I wouldn't mind doing some clay target shooting as well and um, I think you know, there's lots of different choices of ammunition you can use with a shotgun and I'll, I'll use that. So anyway, I did that and I looked into, I'd heard you could hunt on state land, um, the commander down in, in New South Wales um, David was hunting on state lands and he, um, and I found out that he couldn't do that in Queensland. Um, so I was a bit sort of put out by that, and it was about the time that um, that Campbell Newman was running for for, for government, and um, I contacted I contacted the local um, MP, and um, I contacted the candidate who was running for the LNP at the time, and said, well, you know, why is it, why can't we why can't we hunt on state lands like you can elsewhere? And the LNP guy actually said to me, well, why don't you? Why don't you join the party and we'll see if we can do something about it? So I thought, I'll, I'll give that a shot, um, and that's basically how the um, how the state forest hunting side of the lobbying started. At the, um, I mean, it's a ten-year effort now, basically. Uh, that was the that was the first phase, but in terms of the hunting, um, looked at all my options. I, I I went out and did a bit of hunting on a. Uh, on a friend's property and um, or shooting. I mean, it was it's all you know, it was sort of farm you know, spotlighting pest control out there mainly, and that was okay. Um, but uh, and I looked at other options um, and eventually came across the R license in New South Wales and, and realised that I could um, could do that. So um, I I got my R license, um, did my training at SSAA Brisbane and got my R license. And um, started heading down to New South Wales to the forests, you know, sort of on the closer forests on the coast, um, Burrabee and the like, and didn't have any success. Like nobody has any success in those forests, really. Um, and I was getting 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 frustrated with it. And um, I contacted the game council. I said, well, "Where's all this feral game that you you know that you're talking about being in these forests?" And they said, "We'll put you onto a bloke called Nick Macon, who um, was the was the head of the um, oh, it was the game warden they used to call it under the old game council, and he said to me, "Don't don't waste your time um, on those forests. There, um, you know, there might be stuff in them, but they're rainforest and they're too thick, and you won't see anything." So he said, um, he pointed me in the direction of Severn, which I've heard you guys talk about before, and I know mm -hmm. you go there. And um, so I went to Severn, and um, he told me what to do. He said, "Climb up the sides of the, you know, the." Uh, shadowy sides of the hill first thing in the morning and wait and you'll listen for the goats and I went up there and that's the first thing I did I shot um, shot three uh, three goats and um, I had a, I had a 308 by this time I worked out that the shotgun wasn't the be shotgun all didn't do it for you 
<laughs> well, you're lugging a Maruka shotgun over your shoulder around the forest. Yeah, um, shot three goats and um, and got another one. So that was great. Like, um, you know, it just goes to show about um, getting advice on how to do stuff because it's you, you sit on internet forums trying to learn from them and it's hopeless. You need you need somebody who can point you in the right direction. Um, so that was that was great and that was really what hooked me into the state forest side of things. Um, I love hunting state forests. And um, yeah, as much, you know, I mean, I, I'm probably in a similar situation to a lot of hunters. Um, you know, it's it's actually, as I understand it through the ADA's research, a lot of us are, you know, middle-aged, older men, professionally qualified with, you know, we've got um, the ability to, you know, go and go, go to New Zealand or go to Victoria or wherever and, and do our hunting and do paid hunts and the like. But I just actually love the state forests just for the, to me, it's real. It's it's the challenge. Um, I'm not criticising it. That that other stuff of of hunted properties, and it's a great place to learn. Um, you know, it's uh, especially you know to get some confidence up to take a meat animal on a property, and you know learn about stalking and and the like. Um, great place to learn. But to me, the real challenge is is the state forest. So that's it's not just about access. It's about accessing the type of um, uh, hunting that I like to do and that I um, I think a lot of Queenslanders really miss out on because um, because they don't they don't have access to those forests here like we should. Um, the other so uh, basically through the LMP I got a resolution up to the um, to the state uh, state uh, convention and it was overwhelmingly accepted by the membership at the time. Um, to introduce state forest hunting. And so immediately after that, I spoke to Steve Dixon, who was the um, environment uh, national parks minister at the time and sport minister. And he said, well, go away, get um, get some of the hunting organisations together and um, and come back to me and we'll talk about what we do. He said, my, my proviso is that it needs to be safe um, because, mm. and I, I respect that, they're, 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 you think- know, that's their conscience. Um, but they, they need to be assured that that what we're doing is safe. So I went away to a few hunting organisations and the ADA was the one that was the most um, receptive and helpful because the ADA's got a, you know, basically exists apart from sustainable deer management to um, to get public land hunt, access for hunters. Um, and um, so part of that was, was, you know, I went and met with the president at the time was Peter Lurz and, um, Adrian Filch was in an office holder role in Queensland. This is the Queensland president. Was um, Adrian Filch is the current state executive officer. Was the um, uh, he was in a position, and there's Jason Blackwell and and Ron Rains, and we all met and talked about it and talked about the approach that we would use to state forest hunting. Um, and I actually ended up, um, you know, spending a bit of time up on. Um, uh, Peter's property in Stanthorpe, um, working through a submission that we put to the government about that. But the other thing that came out of that was it was right before the ADA state hunt in um, in uh, 2013 down in Nundal. So they said, come down. And, and so I went down there, down to Ponderosa Park, where I've been many times since, and um, didn't know anything about deer hunting. Um, Adrian was there and he sort of pointed, I had hanging rock book and he sort of pointed, well, go over in that direction. I think it was because the he was in the direction he wasn't in. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was about right. <laughs> yeah. So I went down into this 
area of forest and and walked around it for a couple of hours in the morning and um i'd said i'd sort of worked out you know what you look near water and they said yeah the deer and pigs will go near water so um i found some uh, water hole and there was a hoof mark in it so i went back to camp and said to adrian there's a hoof mark next to this water hole and he said um oh, well there's only two animals with with hoofs in this forest so um i would go back there if i were you so I went back there and sat over the waterhole for the afternoon and um, didn't see anything. So I got bored and walked up and, and walked over the hill and there was a deer standing there about 90 yards out. Um, so I lined him up and shot him and I thought I did, but I thought I'd missed because I didn't know the way they react when, when you shoot them. And um, I was, ran down, the, walk, walked down the hill cursing and swearing and looked down and there was a dead deer and I was like, oh, Great, <laughs> you know this deer hunting. I'm natural, <laughs> uh, and you want to know how many deer I've shot in Nundal and Hangy Rock since and associated forests? None. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I think I think it was 2013. You peaked properties, um, and um, but it's hard hunting the deer down in the forest. It's, I think I heard Ian say before you. You class it as successful if you see one, and um, just getting onto them and um, before they see you is really hard. And um, that's what I love about it. I, I, I mean, I could go to properties and and um, shoot a meat animal pretty easily. I know that the trophy hunting, if you're looking for a good trophy, there's a lot more to it. Um, but going down to those forests, it's 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 hard, and it's why I enjoy it, and that's um, that's why I keep going down to Nundal until I get a um, uh, you know a decent trophy, and I, I don't want my walls covered in trophies, um, and it um, doesn't need to be you know technically perfect, but I, I want a decent stag, and I want to get it. Um, I want to get a taxidermist to do it, and I want that to be, you know, the the effort that I've made going back to that place until I get the um, get the animal that I want out of it. So, so that's my mission at the moment. I've got a few other things that I'd like to do with my hunting, but right now it's um, it's it, it's it's Nundal, Hanging Rock, Tuggalow until I until I get that until I get that buck until I get that fallow buck. Um, yeah, so that's that's the hunting side of things, and. Um, uh, I guess I can um, talk about the, you know, politics as well as you, uh, as you guys like, you know, want to. Mate, that's it. That's a fantastic summary. Um, <laughs> I, I like, I really like the fact that you know, um, that that the way that you you describe, you know, getting that deer. You know, it, it is, it is a funny, it is. Yeah. A, I mean, if if you grew up around people who hunted deer, it might not seem so odd but if you know as an adult especially you know adult past your 20s when that first time happens you kind of go hang on a lot of pieces came together then i didn't really have any idea that they were coming together but they've just kind of come together on me i remember the first time i shot a deer i shot the deer first deer i ever shot was with paul swan and i'll say it again when he pointed to the deer he 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 went like that like it's a double four and to this day, I thought he was telling me to go to Channel 8 on the radio. So, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and, and I was looking at him and then it kind of went, click. Oh, there's a deer. Yeah, there is. There it is. And um, and when I shot it, it disappeared. And I went, what happened? And, yeah. you know, a, a big, big bruiser red, double four red, just 
the ground just swallowed him up and it was gone. I couldn't, and 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 then all of a sudden it was arrow again, you know. So it is a very very um, it is it's I don't know it's strange is the word, but it's a very difficult thing to describe until you actually experience yeah. it. That that concept that there it is, it all comes together, and you know the idea that you can that whole afternoon comes down to about three seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly I right. Love, um... The, the, the whole the whole conversation comes together you know we've, we've done a number of episodes of this now and um here you are coming and having a conversation with us and you've touched on Severn and you've touched on ponderosa and you've touched on the challenges of of uh of hunting deer uh and it's all a similar story so so new listeners and new hunters that are trying to get into this are going to get a common theme you know you go to these places and the, there is opportunity there for you and uh, it's it's not difficult to get in and amongst it. Uh, you've just got to go through the process and and be careful about it. Um, one of the other things that you'll hear in, a, in an episode that's due to come, uh, and you didn't touch on it, but I, I know it's sort of in the back of your mind. You were talking about you know middle-aged professional blokes that are out there going and doing these things, amongst others, of course. Uh, but we had a, um, a guest, Andrew Day, on. Uh, not long ago, and he talked to all of the mental and physical reasons why that's really important for men. And uh, that's a, that was a fascinating conversation. And I think it probably touches to your psyche. You're going back there. You've got a goal, and you're really trying to chase that goal down. And man, if, if it's 2013 is when you took your first one. There's a theme here. You've been you've been chasing this stag for 10 years in this park, and you've also been 10 years in the making of of working Queensland towards the same goal. So yeah. uh, hopefully it all happens in, in, in a single 10-year bunch for you at the same yeah. time. Uh, well, well I, I, I actually, yeah, I hope I hope to shoot the deer before, yeah, like as much as as much as I want state forest hunting to um, to happen, I think I think we might have a few more years for that. So I'd like to shoot the deer beforehand. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, well, it might, um, might even be able to help you out. Yeah, what you said, and yeah, and it's important. Like it, the lesson for me was that deer came to me too easily, um, and I probably didn't take seriously the things that you guys have talked about, like hunting hard, knowing knowing about about how to find them. Um, for for you know, I, it was a good sort of four or five years, and I've sort of thought I keep seeing these animals and and not shooting them. And you know these other guys. I come back to camp, and they're they're successful all the time. Um, so you know what am I doing wrong? And it's really, I think that it it was just it was a little bit too easy. Um, and I think in some ways it was a bit of a curse um, because I probably didn't put as much effort into into learning about the deer as I should have. But I've started to do that more in the last couple of years. I mean. To be honest, the advocacy stuff takes up a lot of time, and um, and it um, it uh, you know it's probably it's probably slowed me down on that other stuff. Not, I mean, it's a hobby; it, it doesn't matter that much, um, really. But I've I've put in more effort over recent years. Unfortunately, COVID's knocked all of that about um, for for the time being. I'm, I'm meant to be down in New South Wales hunting now, but. Um, I'm going to Noosa tomorrow instead, <laughs> but um, you know that's just another reason why we need state forest hunting is that now we know that we can be cut off from from our major hunting grounds um, mm. like that. Um, mm. And I never knew that could happen before COVID. Um, is um, we need to um, we need to get this thing happening here. Um, and what you're saying in about the health side of things, the federal government um, recently 
they they did a, an economic study about the economic benefits, but they had a whole chapter on the health benefits of hunting, and I thought that was um, fantastic. And it said that older men in particular, um, it's really good for hunting. It's like a, they described it as a more active version of men's shed, and it gives older men a lot of um, uh, you know satisfaction and meaning to be able to pass those skills on to onto the younger people. Um, and yeah, I, I and you know, like I don't. It's it's really important that we create these opportunities for young people as well. I just think that um, being able to get them out and doing something that's real out in the um, out in the natural environment. That's something that I grew up with, even though I didn't hunt. We in New Zealand, as you know, Ian, we always had um, we always had a good access to the natural environment, whether it's fishing or camping or or whatever else. And um, I just. I just think it's a right. It's it's a real theme that I've taken up on on the page and the Queensland State Forest User Alliance page. For forest access is a right dating back throughout human history and prehistory. Um, there's there's actually a a document called the Charter of the Forest, which um, which was medieval and it was around the time of um, the the Magna Carta and it was it was the first time they actually codified people's rights to go into the forest. So. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm fighting for is to, so that people can enjoy these things like they should be allowed to. It's 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 not a it's not a privilege. It's a right. You still need to look after it um, and do the. Then it's a two way street, but it is it is a right as far as I'm concerned. That's a really interesting point, you know, and uh, I I I, I do know what you're referring to, you know, with with the the right. So what's the expression? of a right for you, what does that actually mean? Because that's a word that can be, uh, I suppose, misused and misaligned. So what would the right to hunt on public land look like for you? What's that vision look like? Okay, um, I did a video recently for SEQ um, hunting and the way I describe a right is that, like, we've actually got a Human Rights Act now in, Queen, now in Queensland, so the Human Rights of two, the Act of 2019, um, and it says a right can be limited depending on, for a whole range of reasons, depending on what the right is. So the way I look at it is we've got a right to hunt in the forest, but there are ways of, like, there are um, other considerations and people can tell us why we shouldn't enjoy that right um, or we should enjoy it in a more limited way. Um, so, um, you know, there's a range of reasons that that people tell us, um, and we need to have we need to have answers to those, and we need to be prepared to allay allay people's concerns. So, so public safety is number one. Um, particular, I, I think I think you can make the distinction between the pig dogging and um, hunting with bows and with firearms because they're that much more capable. Um, but public safety, we have to allay people's concerns that the way that we are intending to hunt um, is is not going to put other people at risk in particular um, and ourselves and and what they've done in New South Wales to do that is they've, is they've put limitations around that so you can't spotlight um, you can't shoot from vehicles um, you have to have have to have extra training obviously um, and um, yeah so so that to me is um, that's how you balance these rights up. People are, people have got a right to be safe when they go into a forest. They're, they're places where everybody where where everybody can go. Um, so they've got a right to um, to know that what we're doing is 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 safe. Okay. So so now we're 
a decade into this, and I know it's sort of relaunched, and we're in now the, the new version of our licensing, well, our license hunting, and I forget the different names of what they were. It's irrelevant, really. Um, don't the, doesn't the data stack that up now? It does, yeah. Um, hunting in Australia, the, the um, Game Council, before it was changed over to the DPI, where the government now runs it rather than a, um, uh, it's a separate authority the Game Council was, um, they did a study and, and they found that all, virtually all of the hunting accidents in Australia, first of all, they're safer than, than most other outdoor pursuits, there's not very many of them, um, and secondly, um, they tend to be either the hunters or somebody in the hunting group, um, and they have either hurt, them, hurt or, or shot, killed themselves, um, and or with somebody in the group, which isn't which isn't good, obviously, but it's has that, a different. Has that happened, Rhys? Sorry, I, I hadn't yeah. heard of any fatalities. Yeah, no, there are. Um, oh, there are. Yeah, um, and and there was one recently in Victoria um, where somebody um, was shot um, by uh, I presume. I don't know the details, but I presume Sorry, it was somebody. Victoria. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, like in Australia, overwhelmingly. It's um, the, it's so either the hunter or somebody in their group, and it's um, and it's mostly from night at night or from vehicles. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's people getting off a vehicle and and accidentally shooting themselves with their um, you know forgetting the condition that their firearms in or um, yeah, and no, none of those none of those things are good. But just in terms of the public, I think we can make a reasonable argument that. Um, we're not putting the general public, some person who's, who doesn't know um, that you know, that there's you know that there's a risk. We're not putting them at risk by by legal state forest hunting, and that's you know that's that's overwhelmingly the most important concern for for politicians um, is that is is that is that we are keeping the general public safe, um, and and I think you know ultimately ultimately. Um, you know, when they do their risk assessment, it's it, it's a you know there's never no possibility that something could go wrong. Um, but I think we can make a reasonable argument um, that you know compared to other activities, just even like driving driving out in the bush and the like, it's a safe safe pursuit. And that's also most of those accidents occur on private land too, don't they? Yeah. Overwhelmingly, yes. I, I I don't actually think, and I and I. I happy to stand corrected but there has been few if if no major incident on public land hunting in in new south wales no it's not, not 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 in new south wales no that's the statistic single, i was referring to yeah, earlier i don't, I don't yeah. think there's been a single uh, serious injury yet um okay. and the last one i can think of that happened in queensland was um, it was well, obviously it's private land, and what it was was it was um, it was a storage. It, it, you know, it was uh, the old. It thought it was unloaded, and it wasn't. You know, type thing. It was. I think it was in a car, and it fell over in the car and discharged and shot one of the you know the passengers. There was two guys in a, in a Ute or something like that, and the gun fell over, and one got shot. And it was yeah, it was it was that night in uh, in a vehicle. Um, on private land, so yeah, I believe that. I, I believe I'm not, and again, I'm happy to stand corrected that the the GLU and the the Game Council before have got a pretty much a, a spotless record when it comes yeah. to anything yeah. like that. 
Yeah, they do. And it's, um, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's it's just a good system. There's only one person per 400 hectares allowed. Um, you've got extra training. I mean, and, you know, you've obviously, you're not allowed to site in. Um, yeah. You don't see, you don't see, you're not taking multiple shots at lots of animals anyway, uh, because because um, it's not that na not that sort of hunting. It's and um, yeah, and it's um, you you clearly it's like when you're driving a car, you've you clearly you're a person who's who's um, got a license because you don't have major criminal records. Um, you're um, you, you're sensible, um, you know, and you don't want to go to jail. So so you know, I think there's a pretty Pretty solid incentive for um, for people to um, you know to be safe. And I've you know I've been I've been going down there for since 2012, and I've never felt unsafe um, in the forest and um, around anybody else. Um, I would feel less safe on private land in company that I didn't know um, than I do hunting by myself or with somebody that I know in a state forest um, and. I mean, you, be, you guys know, you barely ever even see another hunter. It's um, so big, you know. Well, that, yeah, that, that, I think that's a really important point. There's a couple of things. One is I think statistically it's the, the, more, the greatest danger is getting there in your car. Mm. Mm -hmm. Statistically, that's it. And, um, and I do believe in Victoria recently someone was uh, died driving back from a hunt. They were involved in a car crash. Um, and in fact, to, to be honest, the last hunt I went to, we were all perfectly safe until we got to the road outside between Milmerran and Toowoomba, and then it got a bit hairy on that road. That road got a bit hairy. You know, it got scared. The only time I was scared was on that road, um, and you know, because the traffic. But the other thing is too, I think, which is often gets lost in the, and I think it might get lost intentionally, is that. There's this idea that, you know, there's going to be people, you know, backpacking and picnicking and so on, and then you're going to turn up and start shooting. But we know that in, in reality, as a hunter, that I do not want to be anywhere near you. And the reason for that is because the game doesn't want to be anywhere near you. No, that's so, right. That's it. You're often in positions or locations where there isn't other people simply because for other reasons other than hunting, it's a completely unattractive proposition, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, plenty of times, the only time when I think about the pillager, you know, I can think about three or four, like, situations where I've met someone other than the people I was with, and 90% of the time it was forestry guys. Mm. I remember once... Um, I uh, know twice there was two two separate occasions that people who were touring around, looking around there, came into the camp and pulled up to the camp, and we were talking to them. Mm. Um, other than that, and I think uh, Severn's the same. You know, even even a forest that close to the border, it's pretty isolated once you're in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, I um yeah, I mean, I if I've ever, I think I've come across somebody in Severn once and I just said, oh, you're an licensed hunter as well. And he said, yeah. And we just pointed the direction, oh, well, where are you going? You know, you were here first. And he, he, he told me that and I went in the other direction. It's not a not a drama. So, you know, I think I think people who bother to go and go and get licensed and travel for, you know, four or more hours to hunt like like we do from from Brisbane and also I mean, in New South Wales, in reality, a lot of people are traveling the same distances. Um, 
I think that we're generally pretty sensible people, to be honest. Um, there's, you know, um, if if we weren't, you know, there's there's plenty of people who do, you know, do things illegally, and they're the ones you have to you have to really worry about, and they're going to keep doing it un unless we bring them over and say, well, a don't do it because you can get charged for it, and so you should if you do get caught doing the wrong thing. But b um, we're looking at ways of of finding you a legal way to do this. Um, how about you get involved in, in helping us out um, and and then we can all all do things without having to worry about going to jail and, you know, hurting somebody else and all of those things that we don't want to happen. Uh, again, mm. you know, that, that's a, you know, such a sensible point. You're not going to drive eight hours to be a Yahoo, you know. If I want to be a Yahoo, I, I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, expend all that time and energy. Uh, and that's it. So when you go to the, you know, you, when you go to a, a state forest like Nundal, you know, everyone knows why they're there. Everyone's put in the same amount of effort to get there and time and expense and yeah. the whole lot. So the last thing you actually either want to see and what actually, and, and you, and you know, actually occurs is people not doing the right thing. Everyone's kind of almost mm -hmm. overly sensitive about making sure they do the right thing because they've, committed so much of their own energy and time in, in, in making it happen. Yeah. And we know, we, know we can lose it if, if, um, if, you know, and it's not fair, um, but it's unfortunately the way politics works is that if you're in a situation like, for instance, um, I think it was 2000, late 2013, the um, Shooters and Fishers were, they were, they were looking for national park access because there's some massive amount of really good country down in the national parks in New South Wales as well, which is quite huntable, but, you know, because they're national parks, people, you know, they're, they're worried about it. Um, but anyway, they'd done another deal around, they're talking about the power stations like we were talking about before. Um, but the Liberal Premier at the time, somebody went from a state forest onto private land, did do the wrong thing and he shut down the game council for six months yeah. and um we didn't you know so so you know people are acutely aware of that and um yeah i think that hunters are um you know are a group that will uh, police to the extent that we can within our group um and say to people hey you know we, you know we can lose that um this but the, you know I, I, and i think that we've got to be seen to be doing that but the flip side is is that um, governments and other people need to give us a fair go and, and acknowledge that we can't we can't stop everybody being an idiot. So we shouldn't shouldn't constantly be being punished um, for things that we can't can't do anything about. Okay. So if we were to think about uh, what it might look like in Queensland, so what what's your vision? What does it look like? Um, I think that in Queensland we could pretty much adopt. A New South Wales style system. Um, the big difference here is that a lot of our um, we've got a lot more grazing on state forests, and um, I, you know, like it's. I, I don't think it's as big a problem as as people make it out to be. I think the graziers. Um, it, it, just for a bit of background, our, our Forestry Act was written in 1959, and I've actually read the Hansard from Parliament about that, and. Um, it was actually Joe Bialke Peterson before he was Premier and he was talking about, oh, well, the farmer, if they can basically manage this area by themselves without having to go to the DPI for everything, they're going to be able to get things done quicker because they didn't have proper, you know, they didn't have IT and communications and the like. So they basically set these leases up like they were almost 
like they were a freehold farm, except under the law, the um, the a grazing leaseholder you can't you, they they can't stop people going onto a property, or the lease can't preclude other activities that that the forest manager, which might be the Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service or Hancock Timber or, or ever or whatever, agree to. Um, so you've got leaseholders here who have um, they've often been on the properties even predating that on the on the leases predating that, and they've got a very strong attachment to it. Um, and they also, I mean, they've got they've got legitimate um, uh, legitimate, you know, questions about what it's going to mean for them being able to run their business, and I, you know, I respect that. Um, you know, we've got to answer questions about how do we make sure we don't spread weeds around. Um, you know, what a lot of them associate hunting with with illegal hunters who go there now, and we've got to explain to them. Well, actually, what we want to do is is to to do this responsibly in a way that's not gonna not gonna harm your business. Um, and yeah, there's there's a range of considerations, um, but I, I think that's solvable. Um, I, I hunt in a forest in New South Wales, Riamaka, where there's a cattle lease, and all that happens, you know, the way we go down with our GPS, um, all that happens is when the farmers got cattle on that area, they just exclude that area. So um, yeah, um, you can't hunt on it. So yeah, for anybody who doesn't have their R license, that means there's a a red area on the map on your GPS or a, a pink area on the map and you don't go in there to hunt. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, the, the, it's, it's entirely manageable um, in, a, um, in a way that considers the ability of the graziers to run their, um, um, to run their businesses. Um, and I mean, some, there might be some forests where it's not appropriate for hunting with firearms, you might um, say, well, this is a bows only forest like we have in some places in New South Wales. Um, I think that the places that are closer to big population centres and um, might have a lot of hunters or other users in that might be what they do. There's forests in New South Wales that are just open on the weekends because you've got um, timber or grazing work going on during the weeks. You can do that as well. So yeah, I, I think that it's um, I think that it's manageable uh, in an R license type system, and that's what I would like to what I would like to see happen. Okay. So just to break it down a little bit, if you don't know what an R license system is, what what does that system mean? So if if they if it was approved in Queensland that you could hunt on. Um, public land and you got the Q license or something like that, what would what what is the process that you would go through? Um, pretty much like we do in New South Wales, where you um, where we well with our clubs in Queensland, the people like um, Ian who train our licensed hunters, you um, uh, you go to a club and do a course um, and then you put in an application to the, the authority which um, that I don't know what the authority would be here. Um, you know, by the time this happens, the government change all the time. But at the moment, the Parks and Wildlife Service run the forests, and and they um, issue with a license, and um, then they've uh, basically managed have a booking system where you can um, book book a forest, and um, with a limited number of hunters in that forest, and you go there and. Um, and uh, you play by the rules basically when you when you hunt in that forest. Um, so you don't hunt at night. You don't um, you don't hunt from your or shoot from your vehicle. Um, you don't sight in your firearms. Yeah, I, I just as you said, we've we've got a system that now that it's a decade and a half, it's got a track record of no no injuries or deaths. So why would we reinvent the wheel? Basically, that's 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 what I think. 
you would clone it 100 you would clone it because um, yeah. they've got all the systems like you said to close down components when they need to and let people do the work when they need to um i, I, I i'm going to try very hard not to get into the but the but but why not it makes absolute sense it just gets me frustrated i'll try and answer ask you sensible questions because i get pretty heated about this discussion because it makes no sense to yeah. me uh and look you've been around it longer so i i, I get that uh, you've, you've torn your hair out over this process as well. But um, you've been doing it a while. You mentioned before that uh, when in the time scale, I haven't, I don't think I quite got out of it, but I recall the time when Peter Lurz was the, the state president and there was a conversation with Adrian. Uh, I hadn't pieced too many other people together, but clearly you were one of the guys that fronted up uh, along with, uh, with Lurzy and Coda to try and get this over the line. And I recall at the time we were about to go through an election cycle and you were this close, like this this close to this happening and the government changed. Um, I'm keen to know, so this must run in four year cycles or three year yeah. cycles at the time, or maybe it's four year cycles now. Um, does your, does your, I use the word crusade, does the crusade go in those cycles and does it ramp up as we get closer? I'm interested to know how close you've got over the 10 years or, or three or four cycles you've been in, but also like it's changed. I saw that that episode where it was quite a closed conversation of people getting their, their documents right and their messaging right. And off you went on behalf of us without many of us knowing, I think, and had the conversation with government. And unfortunately it changed and it didn't work out. The last election, it was a very popular conversation. Like it was a completely different tact that you took, um, you rallied social media. There were thousands of people putting petitions in. The fact it got discarded after all of that effort, I don't know what effort was looked into reading it, but anyway, it went through its process. Um, we'll be coming up to that again. Does the, does the, I've asked you about 10 questions. Uh, does the tactic change? Um, yeah. You know, what are we going to do next time and, and, and how do we support? But let's go back to the start of that. Is it a cyclic thing? And how close have you got? And what okay. learnings did you get from that? Yeah. Okay, with um, I, 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 with uh, back in 2013, so I didn't, I, I went off and, you know, talked about hunting, but with the politics side of it within the LNP, um, after I went to Steve Dixon and he said, get these groups together and we put it, me and Peter put a submission together and we put it into government, they just came back and the cabinet just went, nah, we're not doing it. Um, now, this was at a time I didn't know about graziers or, or you know I, I i didn't know all the lay of the land at that time and i didn't know why that was and couldn't get um couldn't get a straight answer out of them but they just went no nah, that's not happening um so i went to dixon's office and i said well can we get a similar system you know for like for managing deer to at least within the ada to um uh what's it called um you know, to go on to, you know, properties as a as a group and, and manage deer on those property and get, you know, maybe get something rolling. And we had this new advisor come in and I spoke to her about this and she said, well, we have thousands of people writing to us about this. Maybe this is a solution. Um, and so we put together a um, proposal and I hooked, um, they hooked Peter up with, um, with the relevant people in the Parks and Wildlife Service. And we were going through 
um, we went through and they almost set set up a system where where clubs you could have club hunts onto on 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 relevant bits of property and it was just due at that time because as ADAs that's the focus of the organisation. Um, but then, as you say, the government changed and it stuffed it all up. Like um, the um, uh, the government changed, the, the Labor parties were not, not not doing that. So that was the end of that. I remember um, going up to up around um, that spot we go up to for the the um, state meeting up around the Brisbane Valley, um, where everybody compares their trophy heads. And I said, "Oh, now the government had just um, changed." And um, uh, I said to Peter, "So are they going to do that?" Issue? And I said, oh, well, that goes three years of my life. And, and that's that's what it was like. Um, I, you know, at that stage, I didn't realise how long it was going to take and, and I was upset by it, naturally enough. Um, but anyway, that's that's the way it went. Um, but, yeah, it goes in cycles, Ian. Um, I um, tried, we tried in 2000 and um, I thought, well, we've, we've got to, we've got to get these people competing. Um, these parties competing so that so that they are after our vote. So I got a policy. I thought I got a policy up with um, with One Nation um, because they were they were coming back into into vogue at that stage. And um, met with a guy called Jim Savage, who was previously um, the president of One Nation. He's a fantastic bloke. He's run as an independent since. And we got a policy together. And um, Steve Dixon had switched over to One Nation. He was the state leader. So it's a common theme here. But anyway, um, uh, we got a policy poli policy up there, and um, it was going to be published on their website and everything. And um, then, no, nah, we're not doing. We're, you know, um, we're not at the last minute. It, it didn't come together, and and it just. I, th I think that Jim might have just released it out through the Shooters Union, basically, just to um, uh, so that you know to, to put it out there. But basically, um, basically that that just got just got pulled um i don't know what what problem they had with it um so so that stuffed that up um and um then subsequently steve dixon got in trouble with his um national firearms agreement business that he got into trouble with over in the over in the um in the us uh, if you remember that you guys remember that where he mm -hmm. um was basically filmed um infiltrated by an anti-gun person and filmed talking to the NRA about stuff and yeah so um it's it's interesting how individuals in positions of power can do us a lot of damage as a community the um within the shooting community it's 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 you know it's a lesson on how we need to be um careful as well about uh, about things because you know like the media is just ruthless nowadays if they sniff a a controversial story they'll they'll just be all over you irrespective of anything else um just to um uh, just because it sells newspapers and you know, tv programs basically so then next election cycle um a bloke called dan boniface pops up and dan mm. um basically i got sent a an email or a facebook message by jason blackwell who was previously the state secretary with a petition that had gone out for for Dan and I contacted him and said I've been trying to get this up for years. Do you want some help? And um, and he said yeah. And we got together and um, and that's how State Forest Hunting for Queensland came together. Now, as you said, Ian, I'd always done stuff in the background. I never really, um, I never, I've never really an out out there in public type person. I, I I sort of didn't really get what the implications of that would be. Um, Dan, it turned out, had a real knack for um, engaging with people, talking to the media. Um, and um, he really got it rolling. And I think by the time I had 
um, spoken to, um, to him. He had 6,700 signatures on his petition, um, which was way more than anybody else had previously um, had previously, uh, you know, achieved on those petitions. So I said to him, well, I'll, I'll, I'll set up a Facebook page um, and we'll look at how we can promote this across social media. Um, I've got a bit of a, um, you know, sort of a economics, finance, policy type background, so I'll write material that can inform people about it. I'll help you with submissions. Um, Dan did a lot of the front work in terms of the media and the, um, the politicians and the like. And um, consequently, the petition went up to 13,576 13, signatures, um, which is fantastic. It was the second biggest number of, it, it doesn't sound like a lot when you talk about Queensland being 5 million people, but it was still the second biggest petition that year, apart from the vegetation management laws. Um, so you've engaged a lot of politically interested people and um, that ultimately, I think, sort of demonstrates that it's an important issue. Um, but the Labor Party, and I expected this, I, I knew they were going to go no, um, they just said no to that. Um, but what, what petitions do, and I, 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 throughout this process, I met Martin Bella, who run, uh, who founded the Green Shirts Movement. He's a um, councillor up in Cairns and an ex-footy ex, ex player. And he said to me, petitions aren't just about the petition, it's about engaging with the people that you've, that you've got onto the petition. Um, so, I, I remember that, and I didn't get too upset when um, when we got told no. Uh, but I, um, what it did was it gave us the platform with State Forest Hunting for Queensland to keep people engaged and to work towards the next election. Um, and um, that's that's what that's what we did. It's um, just work towards the election, um, getting people. You know, my objective at that election was to get as many candidates as possible who were pro State Forest Hunting. Um, over the line and publicly um, announcing that they had a policy. I'm not interested in hints or private conversations or the like. I think the voters have a right to know what the people that they're voting stand for. And if they're if they're, if they're against something, then um, you say so. You don't drop you know you don't drop hints that you're you're for it. So um, yeah, I, I basically put up comparisons between the party's um, policies. I contacted them, told them that I'd be doing it. I, I got a few media stories up about it. And and ultimately it led, we, we got 18, um, 18 candidates and 17 seats across the line. They're independents and, and counterparty um, members. And um, that was, um, I think, um, that, you know, that's, it's good to have those people out there um, because, you know, now the, now the bigger parties know, well, this is a group of voters that we're going to lose to those to those people in any election, um, and we, you know, marginal seat contest. We have to consider that you can lose a seat over, you know, over one vote theoretically, um, and so we have to we have to consider that issue. The other thing that I did was I started the another petition for because at that time they were looking at um, carrying on locking up state forest and national parks, and I thought mm. we're going to bring in these other groups like. Um, all the other recreational groups like four-wheel drivers, rec prospectors, fossickers and the like, um, and um, also the um, the graziers and the timber industry have an interest in that. We're going to pull together these groups and oppose this lock-up and, and establish all of our rights to access this, these forests. So that's where the Queensland State Forest User Alliance page came from. Probably not as big as State Forest Hunting for Queensland, but um, it's given some really useful contacts with people in those other areas. Some of them in fantastic, just in terms of the knowledge and 
and and um, information and the effort that they've made. Particularly, one lady, Frida Berry Porters from from Claremont, she's a um, runs a recreational prospecting business. Fantastic, just like basically really across the laws and the like. So, yeah, um, I think that. And after the election, I think that the fact that we made this about state forests in general rather than just about hunting has um, has caused the major, the large parties to pick up, prick up their ears. Like immediately after the election, Scott um, Stewart, who's the resources minister, came out and said um, he was promoting uh, recreational prospecting and Anastasia Palaszczuk came out on her Facebook promoting it as well. Um, and um, yeah, so, and in, in his recent speech, Mr. Crisofelli, the LNP leader, he spoke about tourism opportunities in our natural environment. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm relatively positive about getting something across the line, improving our forest access in general. Um, yeah. And I think that's the first step for hunters. Um, establish that the forests are there for the people. And then we talk about, well, what we want to do and why we should be allowed to do it in those forests. <laughs> Great answer. That is a yeah. That's a so I, I suppose um so what's on the drawing board for the next election? Um and and <laughs> thanks for leading into that question. Uh, and um do we need change or is there sway? Because a lot of this these to potentially has to be built up around what happens when the government changes or if the government changes, or is there a, you know, do you have to back a horse or can you run two lines of communication here to try and, you know, where I'm going with this, it's a, it's a failure um, on failure is hard work and you're sticking with it, which is great, but. Yeah. Um, for, for hunters, we need to back the cattle party. Um, they're the ones who, and, you know, I've, I've thought about this, like previously it was about making them compete and, um, and getting getting people across the line, but now it's about we've got the cattle party across the line, and and they they always you know they 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 have to consider stakeholders and the like as well, but um, they always they're always supportive of uh, shooting and hunting. So it's in hunters' interests to have as many cattle party MPs in parliament as possible, right in the middle between the other two, and um, ideally so many that neither of the other parties can govern without cattle party MPs. We don't have a, an upper house, but we can stick, you know, if we could stick 10 Caterparty MPs in the middle of parliament, um, then life um, governing without the consent of, of those people who represent our interests becomes that much harder. So that's now, I think, our number one priority. And I, I'd encourage, you know, the way, even if you don't live in a place where they're gonna have a Caterparty MP, join, it's 33 bucks a year. Um, I've joined, um, 33 bucks a year um, and, you know, you can volunteer. Like uh, when I was campaigning, um, I went out to Lockyer to to help uh, Jim Savage campaign. Um, they might have candidates that are close close to where you live, or if there isn't, you know, like it's it's one, you know, fly into Townsville for the week in October 2024, and you know, hand out how to card votes for a day, then go and get a fishing charter or something like that. I reckon it'll be, you know, <laughs> or, or go on a chittle hunt, you know. it's um, I don't know whether it's the right time of the year, but there's always something to do up there. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's my message to hunters. Now, the other outdoor users, um, I still think that the Cata Party are the, best, um, are the best party, but I understand that they've got a different thing going because they don't have to 
um, there is recreational prospecting and there is four-wheel driving and trail bike riding. So they've, it's more probably in their interest to have relationships with, across the board rather than backing a single horse. But, um, you know, I still think that the Cater Party are worth backing for them. Um, but for hunters, they're, you know, they're, they're really realistically the only show in town. Um, until And when we get them in, that's when it becomes um, the, the big parties. Because, yeah, you know, you can have influence and you can um, put people, you know, people's seats at risk. But there's nothing like actually having those people in Parliament who've got power, like actual power to... Um, to do something. Um, we've got various minor parties and independents. Um, and, you know, if you don't live in a seat where there's a Cata Party MP, you know, by all means back them. But I just, I worry a little bit about splitting the vote um, for, for, you know, essentially the same group of voters. Uh, because whenever somebody votes for one party, some of those votes, the preferences go off to the larger parties. Mm. And um, yeah, so so that's um, so that's my advice for the next three years. First thing is my advice. Second thing is is still stay on to the major parties. Um, they're they're after your preferences as well, and and also there are going to be seats where the Cata Party don't run. Um, so. Um, so obviously you need to be on to those local MPs, local candidates when they come up around election and also the leaders and shadow ministers, write them letters, just bother the hell out of them. That's that's how you get noticed. And um, I previously wrote a letter for, to suggest to people to send to David Christopher And yeah, I mean, because like that advisor said, we get that if they get thousands of letters and they generally, if they're half decent politician, have a policy of answering all of those letters. Um, then that's that's on their the that's on their radar. Okay, so is there a letter? Because you said earlier as well, we need lessons on how to be careful with our messaging, because you, you don't want to be sending out you know information or, or requests to government that are poorly written and misrepresent what we're trying to chase. Um, do you have a um, uh, a selection of pre-written content that can be used by people? If they go to the top of the State Forest Hunting for Queensland page, they can click on the um, under, there's um, there's a, a sort of a, a, a picture of a podcast that I, another one that I did, and down below it, um, there's um, basically a fact sheet, and it's got all of the facts about, about what we're proposing um, on that, and that's what I would draw out. Um, I'm a little bit reticent about form letters um, that because um, they're the one thing that the politicians, if they get 50 of the exactly the same letter, they will just ignore it because um, they realise that somebody's... But, sure. but so, yeah. And, the guidelines. Yeah. And I just encourage people, you know, if you... You don't have to be, um, you know, the best, best writer in the world. You know, it's these people's job to work for you and you're not I mean you obviously don't write anything stupid you write things that are factual and you know pull those off the off the fact sheet but don't lack confidence to express yourself they're, they're your representatives and it's their job um, to to listen to you so um, yeah so that's I, I'm, I, I'm really very much about I've tried with the sites to encourage people to have the confidence to engage in in these sorts of um, yeah, engage with their elected representatives because 
Um, it t you know, it took me, uh, there were things that I didn't know and you learn all the time. Um, so yeah, just, you know, get into it um, and, um, and, and, and chew their ear. Hmm. That's a good point. Yep, I hadn't considered that. Hmm. So that's, um, that's great. And it, uh, hopefully it's something that we can sort of promote to people and, and just try and raise more awareness of how important it is to keep that dialogue going with your local members. Um, there'll be people out there that may not agree with your party selection choices and things like that, but, um, you know, hunting potentially is not the number one thing for a lot of people when, the, when it comes to selecting their vote. It's a difficult one, you know, um, but it's, well, well, this it's, it's is, good this to is, have some of this information. Yeah, this is the thing is that, um, yeah, ultimately, um, you, you, you know, if you're going to join a political party, and I've, I've thought very hard before, I have because I've done it in the past and they can suck up a lot of your time and not give you a result. Um, and, and that's really frustrating. But, and like ultimately you have to align with the values for the whole of um, that party. Like um, if, if you look at, um, I don't think that the Cata party would want you there if you didn't align with their values anyway. Um, but if you look at them, you have to look at them and say, well, you know, I can live with all of that. Like one big thing is they're from North Queensland and they want to promote North Queensland. And I've got no problem with that because I think that what's good for North Queensland is um, is good for the whole state because Brisbane's turning into another Sydney and uh, and I want to see people moving somewhere else rather than rather than just where I live. <laughs> so, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for I'm all for promoting um, promoting alternative um destinations for migration, whether it's interstate or overseas or anywhere else, so that I don't get caught for traffic in two hours in, in 10 years time. Um, so so I've got no problem aligning with a, a North Queensland party. But, you know, yeah, like you say, and people have to um, people have to be happy, um, happy that with with the, the whole the whole picture of what they're supporting mm. if you're going to join a party. Um, the other other thing you can do is um, align, obviously, with a um, with uh, a club that is active in promoting state forest hunting as well, and we're all with one with the ADA, so um, I think that's that's really important. Yeah, yeah. With um, so just so I and I, I this is fairly for clarification for my part. So it is a cata party policy about hunting on state forest, or is that a policy pr pr promoted by particular members of cata party? No, it's a party policy. And that's a really important point, Mark. It's actually in their values is that people should have access to state land and they support hunting, fishing, recreation, prospecting, all of that stuff. And they came out um, with, you know, social media advertisements in support of that prior to the election. And um, Nick DiMetto in particular has been a fantastic. He's really taken the recreational aspect. I think he was in that sort of industry. I think he was a um, jet ski, um, had a jet ski business or something like that. Um, so he's really into the outdoor recreation side of things. And um, he's been really supportive. But the whole Cata Party, they, they always have. It's just been a matter of, um, you know, getting policy, them putting a policy out before the election, which, and, um, you know, they've done that. So as far as I'm concerned, we can trust them. Um, it's an important point. When you come up, a thing I found coming up to the election, a lot of the MPs, and it's probably more the LNP MPs than anybody else, they come out and they say, oh, I personally support it. And, um, or, you know, on the proviso that it's safe and they basically drop hints um, amongst these, um, amongst groups like State Forest Hunting Queensland and, 
at the time I, I let it go, but next time around, I'm not going to accept that. They've got four, three, three more years to come up with policies that actually work. Um, they can put out public land access policies. Um, they can put out a hunting policy. If they don't agree with it, then say you don't agree with it. And um, then people know to vote for somebody else if that issue means that much to them. Um, but I just don't, um, uh, you know, like if it's just an MP saying and it's not a party policy in those big parties, that doesn't mean much to me. Um, yeah. And um, so, so I encourage people not to not to fall for those sort of um, not to fall for those sort of fall for those sort of tricks, or at least hold them to to um, hold them harder to account on on these issues um, next time around. So, with uh, it's a question about you know the previous election. Other than I and I know that, you know um, you know Cata Junior, um, the the guy who, I can't think of his name used to work for QR. Uh, uh, Donato, there's three. There's three, or is there four who got into Queensland Parliament? Uh, there's four. There's um, Shane North. Um, Shane, he's worked um, Queensland Rail. So, sorry? He used to work for Queensland Rail. Oh, did he? Um, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I, I think I actually met him when I, when he was at Queensland Rail, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, there's there's three in Parliament now. I mean, that's important because it's easier once a party's got members in Parliament for them to win more seats. And it's, and it's also, like, the fact that they've got three, like, you only need the numbers to shift in a certain direction and they can actually hold the balance of power just with three three members. Yeah. I suppose my other question was with those three that I you know that I that I could I could put my name to or at least recognize, where where else did they do good uh, well but didn't get over the line? Is there is there is there a gravity, you know, and the reason I ask is if you look at what um uh, shitters, fishers, and farmers have done in New South Wales. I mean, you know, it's obviously a, it's a long game, but that's what they're doing. They, you know, that they are they are slowly gaining seats mm. in areas, and so you know they they went from one to you know, and in, in the lower house they went from mm. you know one to two to three, um, and so then they then they challenged in the by election for four, and they also challenged in the most recent by election as well. So where where else do you or do you you might not know, but where else uh, if you do know, did they have a good showing, but didn't get over the line? Yeah, um, the last election was a bit of a funny one because of COVID. Obviously, the um, yeah. people were grateful that that it didn't um, run rampant in Queensland, and they um, they rewarded the government for that. So the places that they're really targeted are um, in Townsville. There's four seats or three seats in Townsville, I think. But they had, they had I think it was 12 um, candidates across North Queensland. Um, I think they had one in Whit Sunday. They had Warrigo. They had, um, uh, I forget all of them, but um, but yeah, they, they had about 12 candidates. And I think that around those seats around Townsville are their best shot. Um, I think that, you know, they they might, um, I, I don't know, they may decide to expand further south. Um, they they did in 2012 and I think that they made a decision, they, they had seats, uh, candidates right across the state and I think they made a decision after that because they didn't do very well to um, concentrate on North Queensland and so that they wouldn't be 
um, wouldn't basically have to keep people happy, you know, especially from from Brisbane. They could have policies that would appeal to one group of voters, and, and that's been successful to them. So, so for them, I think it's it's kept them, it's gotten three MPs, and I, I think that you know, barring things like COVID, I, I think that people will. Um, you know, like the, the guys, they come across to me as they're, they're young, energetic. Um, they just work hard. You can tell by following their social media posts. You, they're in different places every day. And um, just in terms of the number of follows they got, I know it's a bit unscientific, but it's the best we've got. They, they just leave a lot of the major party MPs for dead. Um, so I, I think that I think that they're likely to likely to do pretty well um and and i wouldn't if you know if somebody had if a party had a state forest hunting policy but i thought they didn't have a uh, didn't have a chance of winning i wouldn't recommend it. i wouldn't join myself i wouldn't waste my time um there's other things that i can i can do um but um yeah i i honestly think at this stage that they're our that they're our best shot is to get behind them it's because it's interesting you know that you say that because you know the 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 old well, I don't know if it's old school or, or the traditional thought is that you should kind of stay apolitical or what they used to say non-political, which is a, a bit of a misnomer. You can't be non-political, but you can be, I suppose, apolitical. That is, you don't support anyone in particular. But you're you're saying that you you from your from your hard lesson because that's ten years of experience there of um of uh you know of of, to, of learning is that you think that they're probably the best single shot that that we've got at getting hunting at state forests in queensland yeah i do it's the thing the, the way i look at it and it's the way i've treated it is you know about being apolitical that um that's and yeah i understand, I understand like when you've when you've got a, a broader organization um, and you need to be able to deal with everybody and, and not put people offside, um, not put different parties offside, then, um, uh, then yeah, that's, you know, probably a legitimate thing to do, although some of the big um, shooting organisations are actually um, aligning themselves pretty much with the Cata Party now anyway. The, the um, sporting shooters, you know, get, donate a lot of money to them, the shooters union. So so within the shooting fraternity in Queensland, they're, you know, they're our proxy political representatives. But yeah, like for, for state forest hunting, this is a single issue. Um, and, um, you know, it, I've just always adopted the, vote, the idea that the vote is the boss. Like, I, you know, I don't care if the major parties are a little bit miffed and I, I don't think they are. I think that they understand that people do the best for themselves, but I, I don't care if they're a little bit miffed that that we're supporting the Cata party because ultimately they still need our votes um, for our second preferences. They still need people's votes in um, in the seats that the Cata party aren't running. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, that means that um, we're the boss, essentially, the, uh, the, the people are the boss. And um, and that's the way I that's the way I way I treat it. I, mean, I always agree, believe in treating everybody with respect, and um, you know, like giving them an opportunity to um, state their case to us about why about you know about why they're 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 good for us in terms be it shooters or broader outdoor representatives. But um, but yeah, ultimately we're entitled to to go with a political party that backs us, and the Cata Party, as far as hunters are concerned, are the only ones. So I mean, it's it's if you think about it, it you you are well, you're not aligned with any organisation. So I mean, I, I I respect that that's the 
that's what you found after this year, you know, so many years. And, and it, as Ian mentioned before, you know, that's a, that's a lot of, that's a very hard road mm. to go to not have a win on. Mm. Um, so if that's what you think is, is, uh, is the way to yeah. go, completely respect it's, it's that. Re- that's it's, you know, that's it's what, good advice. That's just, oh, yeah. 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 And I'd love to check in on that advice. Um, you know, as the cycle rolls on, uh, just to see how that's tracking and whether your thought changes as things progress. But hey, look, I'm, I want to change the the subject a second uh, or make it slightly different. Um, changing the government is not necessarily the only way that people can get access to state forest. Um, there is no law that stops us, as far as I'm aware, um, hunting in state land. It's just that there's a, and I don't know the the, the term, and you'll tell me what that is, that says uh, all you need is permission mm. to go. Hunting is allowed if you have the permission to do so from the relevant body. Um, so there's so there's that avenue to pursue, but obviously that makes it small bites at you know the cherry and getting permission to to run a specific program to get access to that specific park doesn't necessarily help everything, but that is an, an, an option or an opportunity. Uh, and then there's also the um, uh, the comment that says that the local, the LGAs are responsible for managing that land, therefore they can give you permission uh, of some sort. Can you talk to that, to those facts yeah. or, or dispel them or do whatever you need to because... Okay, so um, under the Forestry Act, every, everything comes down to the um, chief executive of the forest deciding what, what can and can't happen in it. Um, in reality, in Queensland, for most of our state forests, they're run by the Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service, and they answer to the government. So um, you could theoretically run, well, it's not theoretical, the SSAA have got their um, conservation and wildlife program um, where they um, run feral pest management. Um, and, um, you know, good for them. And if people, you know, want to hunt or hunt that way and be involved in that, yeah, that's, that's an avenue. Um, but it's um it's you know you really need to it's it's not just a matter of writing them a letter and saying we would like to do this it's um you know i I think you really sort of need to work out the ins and outs of of your contacts within the queensland parks and wildlife service and ultimately the um minister has to agree to it because they're the boss of the queensland parks and wildlife service um i like as I said, we we almost had a, an arrangement like that in 2000 before the 2015 election, but the government changed and they just said no, and the Queensland and so that was that was off the cards. Um, you know, people can, you know, by all means, if other groups you know want to try that, um, they might might have some insights that allow them to convince the government to to let other programs happen. But I haven't spent any time on it because I haven't seen it as it, a it's not really what i want to do i want to actually hunt like i do in new south wales sure. um so you know I'm, I'm sort of you know and I, I think that most people want to hunt independently and i think we should be allowed to um but b um b i, I sort of haven't perceived that it's it's really open to us at the moment under the current government um but you talk about the councils they have land like for instance the ross river dam um, has land around it up around Townsville and the mayor up there, Jenny Hill, and she was a Labor Party um, mayor and she has allowed one of the, uh, it was in the news 
about five years ago, and I, I presume the program's still running, but one of the local bow hunting groups to go onto that property and to hunt pigs. Um, so that sort of arrangement can happen and they have training and the like. And she, she actually came out and in public and supported the, um, uh, uh, supported uh, an R license type system. So, you know, you, you can't presume that the Labor Party, things might change inside the Labor Party. They might get a, you know, at some stage, uh, they might get a new leader or a new environment minister and they might have a different view on things. So um, you can't, like, I think hunters align themselves very much with the conservative side of politics and there may or may not be reasons for that, but I don't think you can just, um, right off ever getting something under a Labor Party um, government. The New South Wales R licence system was was done under a Labor Party government. So, so yeah, so um, I guess what I'm saying at the moment is I don't think that's going to happen on Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service properties. Um, the councils, yeah, people need to make connections with the mayors in, in your region. For, first of all, find out whether there's a property that's sort of eligible. Um, make connections with the mayor in, in that region and um, and negotiate those types of um, arrangements there. And there's precedent, there's the um, Conservation and Wildlife, so you can look at their website at what they do and the way that they run things. There's the um, system up in Townsville, the, the, the arrangement up in Townsville with the bow hunters. Um, and there's um, over in Western Australia, they've got an arrangement like that. They've actually, and I'll find a link and, and send it to you guys to put under this video. Um, there's actually like a, um, it's almost like a, a guideline as to as to what what is required of a club to to run a system like that. So so yeah, so so I'd I'd say that um, if if people are interested in that, you know, a win's a win as far as I'm concerned. It's um, mm. yeah. Well, I think. Um, if it's an easier process for, you know, and the ADA is broken into branches and regions all over the place, right? So if there's a if there's an avenue that a branch can have a good conversation in their local government area and potentially get something like this off the ground that then promotes the use of it to the rest of Queensland, says, hey, here it's successful. It's successful in Townsville. Toowoomba's adopted. The Townsville model for you know the dams around here because you know this is the home of red deer country as well and mm. there's always conversations around deer and deer management and or, or the lack of in you know in our area. Um, if that helps in some way, then I can see that as being a benefit. Selfishly, getting hunting access in my local area would be great, mm. um, but I guess it's more about the avenues and how to promote that and and have a conversation mm. with the right people. Um, yeah. But it's, it's 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 good to know that those things are possible, I guess. Yeah. And if there are people out there that are looking at trying to push their efforts in that direction, it it can only be a benefit to the greater goal. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly a um, it's it's certainly a different approach. And um, you know, the, the, there is I suppose there is merit in it. You know, it's it's a multiplier effect. The, you know, the more you, you're filling in holes, then, aren't you? If you've got a bit here and a bit here and a bit here and a bit here, well, then it's not so hard to say, well, why don't we link them up type thing? Mm, yeah. Certainly an interesting uh, approach. Yeah, it's, um, I guess, like in, in Western Australia, they, because they had a Shooters, Fishers and Farmers party MP in the in their upper house, mm. and he got them to do a, a an inquiry into state forest hunting, and they basically got a system like this out of it. 
um, as opposed to you know what an R license type system. I I like you know I, I get it in terms of that incremental approach, but I'm also wary of it at the same time um, because it allows the large parties to tick a box and say we've done this for you when when they re re and then never do anything else. So yeah. there's that side of it, um, and it also um, I think it it can create you know situations where you've got groups that have got and I don't, I don't think this would happen with the ADA because we're a pretty open sort of group but where you've got groups that have got privileged access to an area and then they try to get under the feet of anybody who's trying to get broader access yeah. um, and I, I wouldn't want to see that happen um, so I'm I, like you know I'm never going to discourage people from from seeking access their own way um, but for me the you know, the, I, I don't put effort into it because my goal is to have access for everybody. Um, and um, yeah, so yeah, that's I guess that's you know there's trade-offs. There's um, you take a glass half full or or um, or yeah, you know. So um, I guess those are the things to consider. Yeah, I mean, I was I was having a conversation about someone about not this, but the the same idea is that sometimes that negotiated win is not as Afterwards, it's, it doesn't feel as good, you know. It, it's because you can go, oh well, we we got it, but did we really get it? And, and that's a very important point. One thing I did want to raise with you, and I know it's it's you know bordering on controversial, is that it's it's you would have to be blind to to not admit that a great or at least a very vocal um, opposition to what you're suggesting. Is actually from the hunting community or part. I was going to ask the same question. You know, right? and, and and there is some of us who just kind of and look as as the 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 oldest Queenslander in this room. I mean, I I I have some understanding of the the histrionics of it, but I think it's worth mentioning that you know what you're talking about is not universally accepted within the hunting community at all. No. And I think that's that you know we should talk about that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said histrionics instead of history there, Mark. It's, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, um, oh, I, I guess from my perspective, the argument for proper state forest access has been made um, multiple times in other jurisdictions. Um, and I get it if people don't understand that because they're not used to hunting in those in the, under those circumstances, um, and we and we explain it to people, um, and um, you know, and you know, I, I accept that that people need to know it's serious. Like people are hunting, they're using firearms. It's pe people need to to be assured that it's not going to um, it's going to be safe. Um, you know, people might be land managers might be concerned about things like weeds. They might be concerned about bad behaviour. They might be concerned about um, uh, yeah, you know, there's a range of different things, but once you go through that process of explaining things as um, as we have over a number of years, um, then I kind of lose patience with those people who are still carrying on about it. Um, it's 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 good for every, it's good for hunting in general. Like numbers is good for hunting in general. Having more hunters. Um, protects all of us, and um, I put up something on on the page a week or two ago. We lost duck hunting in Queensland 
um, simply because there were uh, there were the minister at the time said there's only 300 and something licenses now. Numbers, yeah, so we lost we lost duck hunting because of that, um, and uh, or it was at least gave the government a very good excuse. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, like people are entitled to their, put their opinion, um, but I I don't have a um, a lot of patience for it now, um, and I don't give it a lot of time. Um, B, I also don't think that there's as many opponents as the magnifying effect of the internet might might make out. Um, I think that, you know, we had 13 and a half thousand five hundred, uh, 13 and a half and 576 signatures saying that we supported it. And that's a big petition. Um, you know, like, I, I don't think that, that that most hunters, if you spoke to them about this, would, would genuinely um, would genuinely oppose public land access. They ju they're just not aware of it. But you can get groups for, who, for whatever reason, oppose it. Um, the ADA recently made a um, statement, um, three reasons, self-interest, ideology and fear. Um, and um, we can allay people's fears. Um, we can convince people um, that ideology you know they perhaps perhaps they want to rethink their ideology because there's evidence to the contrary um then it's up to them as to whether or not they decide to um perceive a narrow short-sighted self-interest and um you know I, I don't have patience for people who act in that way my, all that i'm going to do is i'm going to prove them wrong um and i'm going to convince people and i, I know that i'm going to win because I'm, i know that you know the evidence is overwhelming we know that the evidence is overwhelming as to why state forest hunting is a good thing yeah and you well it's it it's right there is no interest like self-interest um you know and I, I i you know as you well know i i've rallied against that self-interest um simply because from my point of view is that the the and the duck hunting is a great example of what that actually how that played out is that this activity survives through participation mm -hmm. it grows through participation the industry the fact that you know there is two two of the biggest gun stores in the country within you know within an hour of brisbane or within brisbane that doesn't exist if the people aren't using it so mm. There is there is a, a great you know one of the biggest ranges in the country is in Brisbane. There mm. is so much usage and so much support that it to me it's actually um, I, I find it a little um, con, well not confusing. I, I think I understand why, but I, I find what's confusing is the the the, the, the inability to recognise the the gravity of people who can't hunt in Queensland but want to hunt in Queensland mm. and how much mm. they're spending and and all those and all of those multiplier effects but to still say and you know well no it's not right and to throw up you know those old tired arguments about you know oh, look at all this litter or something like that you know and it, it, you just kind of think wow you you're really not reading the room on this one mm. uh, it's a shame well, because you know that there, there would be there would be real real benefit in actually getting that knowledge into a positive mm. uh, you know counter argument about why why you know countering the arguments 
that have been thrown about us about it by by politicians and the reason why it shouldn't happen and actually getting that that knowledge and saying okay throw it this way you know get behind because the more people that are hunting the better if you know from an, even from a self-interest point of view the better off you're going to be but mm. it's uh it's it's an it's it's an interesting one and i and i shake my head and i've been called a lot of things um but recently i was called a a woke marxist and i, I yeah you know, i was <laughs> I, I, I there's a lot of things i've been called in this life um and with a you know i've got a triple barrel dutch name i i, I know what i i've been called a lot of things but being called a woke marxist was was one that really gave me some pause you know it actually i went hang on um okay sure oh, it gave me some pause and i and i think that is it is in a way to me that actual commentary is is indicative of the the declining argument you know it's it, so we're getting to that stage where we're we're throwing away around words like that because we no longer have a, a more meaningful discussion which is a shame because i think i think there's real value in having that meaningful discussion but it's it's not there you, it's not there yeah you have a look at the economic data that came out of new south wales about it being what the third largest agri-producing business if you want to call it a business or industry uh bigger than sheep you know and what it and what it delivers to their economy and uh, for me it, it frustrates me that the queensland government is saying no to a perfectly legal industry that supports people brings economic value and uh and and, and there's jobs and everything that ticks a box along the way for a, for a government department that frustrates me no end but I, I, i'm not going to go any further into it well what, what it's also sorry sorry yeah it's also like the, the big thing for me that you know that i've become aware of uh, i wouldn't know anything about rural australia if it wasn't for hunting um i would have taken my four-wheel drive and gone to the beach like that's if i hadn't have gotten to hunting uh, you know I, I said in one of the stories i wrote i wouldn't have known the difference between gundawindi and, and gunnadar basically like it's um you know that would have meant nothing to me and it's really got me out into rural queensland and um you know you see you see you know the way that people live their lives and the culture and and i think that's important that we understand each other um and one, one of the things that's apparent I, I went on a trip um up to up to maryborough before the election and and went around to sawmills and um into one of the state forest blocks and spoke to people and the like um there's a lot of a lot of people in those areas that don't earn incredibly good money like they you know they might be on 20 25 bucks an hour and uh, you know that's that might be what they earn for the rest of their lives and you know there's people in in, in areas around you know in brisbane who who that's you know that's what they're going to earn and, and that's fine their jobs are important they're they're things that we all rely on you know manual labor that we all rely on but i just think it's such a miserable attitude that that you've got a bunch of people who who they're never going to be able to afford property access they're never going to be able to afford to fly off to new zealand or or, or down to victoria once a year and do a guided hunt um they're never going to be able to do that in southeast queensland um and 
you're denying those people. It might be the one thing that they're really into that they can afford. You know, maybe a bow or a or a or a, a rifle and scope package or something. And it might be the one thing that they that they really enjoy in their life. Like like you know, I've got friends who enjoy their fishing, and that that's the one thing they really enjoy in their life. And the only way that they're realistically going to be able to do that is to um, is to have access to the state forests. Um, and then you've got these narrow interest groups that want to deny them that, and 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 only want to you know run something that realistically a you know a professional person or a you know a person with a reasonably well job pay, paid job can afford. And I just think that stinks. Um, to be quite frank, it's um, it, it's you know it's just it's good for like we talked about before. It's good for people to get out into the into the natural environment. And um, you know I I just. I just think that people who want to deny people, they just want, they need to take a look at themselves. To be quite frank, it's um, it's 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 un-Australian as far as I'm concerned. Right, you know, look, you've given me quite pause, and I, I I have that's one way I haven't looked at this, but that's no, mm. that's a really valid point. You know, um, you are limiting someone's ability to enjoy something that, you know, and because they, they often say, you know, the answer is, oh, there's plenty of you know, private activities, that, but no, there isn't. Um, there is, those exist, but they have an entry point, and that entry point might be above a great many people's ability to access it. And I think that's, that, that, that is a really good, I think if that's a takeaway from that, for me, that's that's a really important point. Yeah, so Hunting's turned me into a woke Marxist, basically. Yeah, I suppose that's why. <laughs> well, maybe now, now I am woke because you, you have woken me to this. To this, so that's it. So I, I, that's why I was un, I was an unwoken Marxist, but now I am. So um, that's good. And look, if I'm going to be a communist, I'd rather be a Maoist. You know, I like this uniform better. You know, if I was going to be one, I mean, you know, I want to go a Mao or maybe Ho Chi Minh. He had it. You know, he was a pretty cool looking guy. So yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be able to pick what you know, what 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 breed I am. But anyway, um, what when we we're talking about the economics, one of the things that to me and I and I you know economics is a, a dark art to me. But one of the things that you know they say you know that it, it generates more income than say it's sheep. One of the other things that I've always found really really um, challenging to the economic argument. Or the you know not accepting the economic argument is this: there's very few other activities where someone will go, okay, um, you need the grass mode. Oh well, well I'm going to go buy a lawnmower, get licensed lawnmower, buy a four-wheel drive with a trailer, then I'm going to get this fuel, and then I'm going to drive to some regional area and mow all the grass from out of the you know to do this favour for them. You know, people don't do that. But when you hunt on a public land in rural New South Wales, that's exactly what you're doing. Mm. You're going into a state forest that otherwise that state government would have to pay people to manage. That if the shooters in with the helicopters and all that stuff. And no, so not only are you doing that part, but you're actually saying, look, and I'm going to stump the bill for this as well. That's right. I don't when they talk about the economics, I don't know if they they include that multiplier, but because you know. You know, the, the biggest sporting event in Victoria is the Melbourne Cup, but you don't know how much the government put into the Melbourne Cup to make it the biggest sporting event, mm. whereas hunting is a, is a huge sporting activity in Victoria. It's not up there with the Melbourne Cup. 
because they did one in Victoria a few years ago where they had that comparative of well, and I think like Hunting was second or third, mm. but there's no stadium. There's no, there's not even like huts or anything like that. So that that industry is an industry that wholly supports itself. And in fact, applies to the government to have a license to exist. Mm. So, you know, and the same with, you know, our license in New South Wales, you know, you actually say to the New South Wales government, okay, I know you've got a problem with feral animals in this state forest. I'm going to try and do something about that for you. And I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay to do it. And so like when we were in um, Narrabri some years ago, Tim and I were down there, we were doing a 10 day road trip hunt. Actually it was in 2018. And we, we came to Narrabri and it was when you still had to um, have paper license, uh, paper maps and mm -hmm. you couldn't have more than two forests booked at once. So mm -hmm. we hunted a, a forest and we wanted to change over and still have two forests, but we wanted to change one out. So you know, there was technically three. So we arrived in Narrabri and we, as soon as we got signal, we said, we've got to find a printer. So we had the, we had the map on a memory stick, but we had a So we went and we found this printer, you know, and we went, oh, okay, and it's in the main street of Narrabri, and we went in, and what we realised, it was the newspaper. Yeah. They did printing, you know, makes sense. So we're at the front counter of the old newspaper there at Narrabri, and we've been in the scrub for about seven days, so we're, you know, we're, we're fairly rough. We walked in there, and it was early in the morning. I was fairly early. And we're there, and and I said, oh, we've got these maps we want printed, and they were kind of, and they were, went, oh, okay, sure, yeah, that's all right, three, A3 colour. And this woman had come in with coffee, and she overheard our conversation, and she said more to me, to Tim, more to me, because I was talking to the person on the counter, what are you guys up to? And I said, oh, we're hunting in the state forest. And she said, oh, just wait here and she ran up and said to Tim come upstairs and, and I went well off you go and he went upstairs so what happened was she was actually the secretary for the editor and owner you know it was the and he's now got Tim in his office interviewing Tim about what what we're doing down there and his hunting you know so I get a call come up and we go up there and we're chatting in a way and next door was the um in Pilliga they created I think it's 10,000 acre bilby sanctuary the guy in the Bilby Centre, he was in the office next door, literally. So they're kind of going, what are you doing? And who are you? Where, what's this all about? And then he goes, you need to be down at the Tourist Bureau. So an hour later, we're down at the Tourist Bureau getting interviewed by the people who run the Tourist Bureau about this, you know, outdoor recreational hunting tourism. Mm. Took a really bad photo of us, which appeared in the local paper, and it is a really bad photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that was the whole thing, you know. They they went, hang on, we're in drought, mm. and these guys have driven down here, and you know, and we said, look, we're, we're actually in town to get a map and get supplies, so we're spending money in their town, mm. where you know, and we're doing, we're in the state forest, which you know, we're looking, we're not obviously eradicating goats, but we're taking, we're doing our bit, we're taking mm. our snip, as it were. And um, they went, they recognised, they went, hang on, there's something in this. And I got speaking, and we mentioned a name already tonight, Ned Macon, who's actually going to be on in a few weeks. He actually, at when he was with 
Game Council actually tried to establish a more formal approach to hunting tourism in that region. So he, he actually tried to kick it off, if I remember correctly, tried to kick off this idea. Of, so at a regional level, they certainly have got no problem with people traveling, yeah. buying fuel, buying food, spending money in their region. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. And those uh, are the those are the stories in terms of the economic analysis that that we need to be telling is those local impacts because you know like there's a lot of arguments in when you're doing an economic impact analysis they'll change an assumption and something will change and you know you get the people who don't want an activity to who try to bring down the headline number and the people who want it um bringing it up and the like um i mean it's really silly because ultimately you know money is money and you know like it's why would you deny any any business opportunity to to Queensland especially regional Queensland but anyway this is the games they play with their economic analysis but when you bring it down to these local level and um, talk about the impacts it has on the real people is that okay um, we're in a drought and um, Bob here is running a uh, running a cafe and we've had 20 uh, 20 hundreds through and Bob was thinking of closing his cafe and and leaving town which was going to mean you know it was going to have flow on effects for everybody else and take him away from his mummies in the nursing home and whatever else if you can tell those stories about um about the impacts that these things will have on real people um and on real communities I think it becomes that much more powerful and mm. I don't think we've quite got there in terms of um in terms of that yet there's it, it more broadly um within within sort of impact analysis for economics with industries and the like they're doing what's called social impact analysis where they they look at the social impact of a of a project or whatever in a in a in a locality and um you know what's this going to mean for this region is it going to be good is it going to be bad and how do we how do we make it as good as possible and get rid of the the bad things um and I just think that with with these with hunting and with other outdoor activities, we need to be doing the same thing in terms of talking about um, bringing it down to those impacts on those local areas, like the story you just told told Mark. But yeah, you know, and putting putting numbers to it about what it means to an individual town. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's really important. Yeah, and, and you're right. You know, I mean, I remember there was a study that was done. And it said like something like, if you couldn't go hunting, what would you do? And other people said, well, you know, I do this and I do that. And so they said, well, see, they're not really that invested because they do something else. There was no access. And it, obviously that was just a, you know, a, a horrible lead on question because, but if you think about it, there would be a lot of people who, if they weren't doing shooting, they would actually be struggling to find something else to do. You know, yes, they do other things, but would they have would would that thing hold the value that shooting and hunting does for them? I know that I know that if I couldn't hunt, I'd I'd have a very hard time filling that void. Yeah, and, and that's actually one of the sneaky um, techniques that the um, people who oppose hunting are using is they're trying to say, well, what would you do instead of hunting, and then say, yeah. oh, but well, it's really not that valuable because of that. That's that's not what economic impact analysis is about. Economic impact analysis is about getting um, a value of, of an industry or whatever so that you can compare it to the next thing like like they did with um, sheep or whatever else and you're meant to use the same set of assumptions um, if, if we applied that assumption whatever else um, what else would you eat if you couldn't eat, eat beef 
um, then and people said I'd eat lamb, and then then we'd say, well, we'll just subtract the value of lamb from beef. Um, nothing would be worth any, anything, would it? <laughs> you could um, you could you wouldn't be able to do economic impact analysis. So this is something that we've got to, um, and it's come through in some of the um, in the recent federal government. Um, impact analysis that they did they they fell for that um in terms of you know things like vehicle use and the like and it's dodgy and um we need to be fighting back against it and it's it's not just hunting it's other um they, they tried similar things with the live export industry for example and you know so rural industries if anybody's out there from the rural industries um, you've got to stand, we're all going to stand together and, and stop them doing these, um, using these dodgy economic assumptions to the, reduce the value of what we do because it's going to bite everybody ultimately because the, the Greens, you know, they want us all eating tofu um, and nothing else as far as I know. It's <laughs> That's a fair comment. Hey, mindful that we've now ticked over a couple of hours of discussion yeah. um, without without that being a real problem whatsoever. Um, so I think I think I'll call this chat to a close and just say yeah, no um, from both of us, um, fascinating conversation. Yeah. Like it's it can be quite a dry topic um, talking about you know how we go about this and you know in government and policy and all of that sort of stuff. But you've really articulated it well um, the way that we need to think about it. And I've taken notes. Lots of notes about yeah, the lot. things that I can do that's different. The one thing I know that I've got to do is go and get a citizenship so that I can make my vote count because yeah. I've never <laughs> ever done that. Um, I might be able to hand out flyers, but <laughs> I should get that sorted out. Yeah, um, it's foreign influence. By yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got to do that. Anyway, that's, that's just my thing. Um, but other than that, uh, really, thank you. It, it, yeah. it was great to have you on board. Um, if there's anything, any other final things or messages that you haven't managed to get out that you'd like to, feel free to do so. But other than that, uh, mate, it's, uh, it's been I, great. I think that that's about it, guys. Um, um, yeah, like um, that's um, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Really, um, you do. I'm enjoying the podcast. So thanks for thanks for the opportunity to be in one. No pleasure. Uh, it, that was really a it. it we had a, a great conversation a few weeks ago, as, as Ian alluded to before, with one, a psychologist. And look, completely different approach, but that was a really, really engaging conversation. Look, I appreciate you taking your time to be here. Certainly, it, it's given me some things to think about that, you know, I, I suppose I, they were assumptions that I made. And that standout to me really is about, you know, we talk about economic impact. Mm. Well, you know, a lack of hunting opportunity might be an economic impact that we can't measure, but it's certainly felt by someone who, who, who we've limited their opportunity. We've said, yep. sorry, no, you don't have that opportunity because, and I think that's a really, that's a real, that's a real a clarity or a clarity yeah. or for mm -hmm. me, I think that's a really powerful thing. And I suppose must be that again, that Marxism coming through or something like that, you know, but that's yeah. what it is. So it's, that's a fantastic. Uh, I really, I really appreciate that one. Yeah, good. All right. So in the notes at the bottom of this, um, we'll leave Reese's details. Um, we'll, we'll make sure there's a, a few links uh, that he's suggested over uh, the, the last couple of hours that, that are worth having a look at. If you've got any questions, you can direct them to thehunterscampfire at gmail.com. Uh, but you'll also be able to go directly through to Reese uh, at his um, State Forest Hunting for Queensland. Is that the mm -hmm. page? Yep. 
um, and the various other links that are there. So um, I think we'll call it at that. Uh, again, thanks very much. And yeah, um, thanks, awesome. good luck with your pursuit to win this for everybody. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and 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 I hope you get all the backing you need, mate. It's um, it's a good it's a good call. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye, mate. Thanks, mate.